Brandon jams it down. Taking you behind the scenes and inside the locker room. You're listening to The Raptors Beat with Josh Lewinberg and Nikki Reyes on TSN 1050. The Raptors live here. Welcome, welcome into the Raptors beat. Nikki and Josh here with you for another edition. And coming up in the next hour, we got a special guest with us, Chris Miller, the Wizards insider for NBC Sports Washington, will join us to preview Friday's game and give us a little insight on what's happening with Washington. They're just half a game ahead of the Toronto Raptors in the tight Eastern Conference standings. But Josh, we got to start with last night's loss. Let's just rip this Band-Aid off. Dallas um, winners of the 102-98 contest and Luka Doncic just going off for 41 points. He was brilliant in that one. But this one, Josh, another hard-fought, heartbreaking loss for the Toronto Raptors. Um, They were hanging in tough. uh, You know, this last week, the last 10 days, they faced four teams who were in the top 10 of this league and... um, come away with just one win, three losses uh, in those ones, but by five points or less. So it's got a feel encouraging, but a little bit frustrating. And that first loss last week to the Suns, you know, it was, there's no moral victories, but it was still, it was a still, there was a good feeling to that loss. But now at this point, uh, it's kind of, um, it's, it's kind of worn out. It's welcome. How do you see these, these close losses to these really good teams? Yeah, I, I guess that's the question. Encouraging or frustrating or both? And I'll say both. I think it sort of depends on how much you're able to separate process from result. But as we've been saying most of the year, if you, if you listen to this show, you know that this is a developmental season and you sort of, we've been saying it all, all season, you have to be able to separate process from result if you're going to be able to find some of those positives in what this team is doing, because it's not going to be pretty every night. I think where the frustration comes in is not that they're losing to teams that are deeper, healthier, and better than them. I mean, like, you look at these teams, the Suns, the Bucks, the Heat, those are championship contenders. Maybe Dallas is as well, but even if they're not, like, they're one of the hottest teams in the NBA right now. They've won 10 of their last 11 games, so... I'm not frustrated that the Raptors aren't winning these games. I mean, yeah, just given the the effort, you, you would have liked to come away with more than one win there. The frustration comes in the fact that they're not playing at that level every night. Like, if they played as hard as they've been playing against these good teams against Detroit the other night, then all of a sudden you're talking about a, a two and three record over this five game stretch instead of one and four. And that's a lot easier to digest, I think. So that's where the frustration comes in. But in terms, in terms of the encouragement, absolutely. That's there as well. When you consider how the Raptors are fighting and going toe to toe against these elite teams while they're missing two key rotation players, by the way, Gary Trent yeah. and, and Ken Birch haven't played in these games. So. I disagree with with something that that you said in terms of the moral victories, and I've seen that a lot over Twitter too. Is that there are no moral victories? There are moral victories. Like (laughs) I I think that no moral victories is something that we use. Well, first of all, it's something that players say because they have to say it. Fred Van Vliet has to say that. That I don't think he's being disingenuous. That has to be his mindset. But for us, like moral victories, yeah, there were no moral victories. 
when this team was competing for championships, when this was a veteran team. But I think sometimes people get in the habit of saying that. That's ingrained into the mindset. But people forget this is no longer a championship caliber team. This is a young team, one of the youngest in the NBA. This is a 500 caliber team. Right now they're literally a 500 team. They're all moral victories. And I don't say that in terms of like, oh, the Raptors hung around with this good team so they should feel good about themselves. But the the reps that you get from being able to go toe-to-toe with these teams down the stretch, like for Scotty Barnes, to be able to have those late-game reps against great teams, to be able even to make crucial mistakes like the one he made not closing out on Luka Doncic on that three late in the game like those are those are things he's going to learn from those are things that are going to make him better he's going to take a whole lot more from those games than he will from like the the blowout against Detroit or even those wins against depleted teams uh, from a couple weeks ago so in that sense moral victories do exist and, and and in that sense these were moral victories I hear what you're saying. It's just moral victories do nothing for you in terms of, you know, standings and seedings, right? And you you use the word developmental, and I would also add to that experimental because that's kind of what this season has been as well for the Raptors. And and you're right. Again, we're still talking about health and them missing Gary Trent Jr. and, and Cam Birch, and so we can't really still evaluate how this team, how good they can be or what their ceiling is when they don't have all their pieces. Um, but I will say this, you know, I, I appreciate that guys like Scotty Barnes and, and the Precious Achuas are getting time, these valuable minutes against these really good teams to see, you know, how to raise their game and what they need to do. That's absolutely true. Um, but to what end? Like, you know, OG, Pas- Pascal, Fred Van Vliet, these guys have that pedigree. They know, They know, you know, what it takes. And so I feel like... I feel like you know all the other these the the learning the the teaching that's going on right now are essentially just for is it just for Scotty and for Precious to to get reps and get better at because as we've seen these last couple of games Nick Nurse has severely shortened his rotation to the point where yep. it's just Chris Boucher and maybe Justin Champagny coming off the bench which is a whole other it opens up a whole other can of worms here but when we talk about development for these guys like. We haven't seen Utah Z in like three, four games now. Uh, Malachi Flynn is an afterthought. Delano Banton yep. was a nice story to begin the, the season. But if they're not developing with the big team and they're not going down to the 905, this is where, for me, it gets a little bit confusing. Like, what what's the plan here? Where where are we going? But, you're, you know, I will say, of course, when you get a, when you get a chance to go toe-to-toe with Luka Doncic, uh, yeah, you're going to learn. And it's funny because Nick Nurse was talking about it yesterday, saying Scotty Barnes, you know, you, you can see the ebbs and flows within the game, not just this season of how he's, yeah. you know, still a rookie. Like, in a game, his energy will go up and down, and, and he needs to – focus on how to keep that consistent you know throughout 48 minutes so there is value of course um i think it's just a bit confusing really what's happening right now with with his rotation and of course injuries have a lot to do with that 100 percent. and i i want to hit on that here because there does seem to be this really interesting divide between the message in amongst the front office where clearly and 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 this has been evident from the get-go the the focus this year for them anyway is development yeah they want to balance 
The goal has been to balance winning in the short term and competing in the short term with development and looking ahead to the future. But they've always been leaning more towards the la- the latter than the former. But that's certainly, as you mentioned, Nikki, not the way that Nick Nurse is managing things right now. I mean, he's he's managing the rotation <laughs> like these are playoff like games. It's playoffs, right? yeah. <laughs> exactly. So which one is it? Because, yeah, I mean, if the priority was development as – it seemed to be early in the year. Why aren't they playing Malachi Flynn and, and Delano Banton? I mean, I get it from Nick Nurse's standpoint, right? But why aren't they playing those guys? They're not playing those, or Nick Nurse isn't playing those guys because those guys aren't contributing to winning right now, and, and he wants to win, clearly, because yeah. he's squeezing every ounce, every minute out of the guys that he trusts that are actually helping him win. But, I, I mean, definitely sense some frustration from Nick Nurse yesterday, not so much in terms of his team and their performance, but with us in the media, this was oh. Nick after the game last night against Dallas. I mean, I, our guys played a really good game. I'm not, I'm not, I don't know why I'm sensing so much negativity here from everybody. But our guys played their guts out here tonight against a team that's ten and one in their last eleven. And he's not wrong, right? Like <laughs> he was not, not happy. <laughs> he was not happy. He, he's not wrong with that point that he he made. Like I, I absolutely, we talked about this. The Raptors' effort and the performance is encouraging, and they deserve credit for it. But also, for, first of all. I, I I don't agree with the the negativity. Like it up until not, that point, no. To to that point, the questions that he were asked was asked was, was first of all the the question that you posed to me earlier. Uh, frustr- how 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 much of it is encouraging versus how much of it is frustrating, which is a fair yeah. question. He was asked about his tight rotation and how sustainable it is, and then he was asked about the play where Scotty Barnes. Um, ha- had that, whether it was a missed assignment, miscommunication, whatever it is, like, I, I don't think those questions are, are negative necessarily, and they're all fair. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think, though, though, listen, those things aren't mutually exclusive. You can acknowledge that there were some crucial late game mistakes made on both ends of the floor. You can acknowledge that there's some rotation questions or issues or whatever, and credit, at the same time, credit the, the guys for, for the effort. But, yeah, I mean, the question right now is the rotation. Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam, the starters, they're playing a ton of minutes right now. And it, it, the, the thing is, it's showing, right? Like, yeah. it, it's looked like those guys have run out of gas in the second half, specifically in the fourth quarter of the last two games. And these have been fun, competitive games. 44 lead changes combined over the Miami and Dallas games, but they've run out of gas. Fred Van Vliet, who was red hot a a week or so ago, he's cooled down. Yeah, I mean, some of that is just natural regression, right? Like, speaking of things that aren't sustainable, he wasn't going to shoot over 50 over 50% on 12-plus three-point attempts per game. So we don't know how much of it has to do with fatigue, but you're right, like... when your legs start to go, those shots aren't going to fall at the same rate. Um, but it comes down to that question, right? What do you do? What's the solution? Because while you don't want to run these guys into the ground, if if the priority for Nurse right now is wins and losses, then yeah, I, I'm not sure that the solution is to throw Svi Mihailuk out there or, or Utah Watanabe out there. Those guys aren't delivering. So what do you do? That's the question. And, of course, you know, not that uh, Nick is completely self-serving, but 
he has to protect his butt too, right? Like it's his his win loss record, his job's on the line. Who's the first yep. person to get fired when a team starts going awry? It's obviously the coach. Uh, and you talk about minutes. Like Fred Van Vliet has led the league in minutes practically all season. Pascal is now fifth, and OG is eighth. So the Raptors have three players in the top eight in minutes played and it, it's obviously not sustainable and he, he will eventually get Ken Burch back it looks like Gary might come back on Friday against Washington um, but it's it, it's funny because Nick was asked a great question by by um, by Doug Smith here if if he thinks that the cumulative uh, effect of all these losses will start to get to uh, you know his players and he was he just gave a very deadpan answer it was very you know no uh, um, but you can almost see it uh, wearing on him, right? Like yesterday yeah. was very unlike Nick Nurse to, to be short with the media. I'm pretty sure I saw an eye roll there at some point uh, when he was talking. And that's not like him at crusty. all. And it, yeah, he was a little crusty. And obviously he's frustrated and everyone is frustrated and they're looking for answers here. But I think the answers begin with, you know, getting healthy. And so um, it's it's unlike him. And then and, and hopefully, you know, you you start seeing results and things start turning before, you know, it starts getting really ugly and the season gets away from from you. But I don't think we're at that point yet. I don't think there's too much cause for concern because, as you said, they've been hanging in all these games, like right up to the very end. You see the compete level, but it's almost like, okay, their legs are are just there. The fatigue is there. And, 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 you know, you got to think there has to be a little bit of a mental toll there as well. Yeah, well, here's the thing. Like, even when Birch and Trent come back, okay, so that's – Nine guys, if you include Champagny. If you don't include Champagny, that's eight guys. Yeah, that, that's a, a rotation. That's a workable rotation, but it, it's a playoff rotation. That's not a re- eight, nine guys is a playoff rotation. It's not a regular season rotation. A- and things happen, as the Raptors should know as well or, or better than anybody. Guys get hurt. Players are in protocol. Kem Birch, like that, speaking of things that aren't sustainable, his knee injury is not going away. He's made that clear. He's got to play through it. Who knows when that flares up again or when somebody else goes down and then what? Like, so yeah, this is a Nick Nick Nurse problem in the sense that he's got to figure it out based on what he has right now. But there, there is no easy answer based on the depth that he currently has on this roster, which leads us to the obvious point that this is a front office problem in that they're the only ones that can actually solve it. And that's why I say it's going to be really, really interesting to see how this team manages the trade deadline, which is what, mm-hmm. three weeks? Three weeks yep. or two weeks? That, I've lost ten. all track of time. Three weeks. Three weeks today. <laughs> February 10th, we're going to learn a lot about what this team's actual intended direction is right now because, yeah, if the goal is short-term, then it's it's an obvious thing. Not obvious necessarily what they're going to do and how they're going to do it, but it's an obvious solution. You need to add depth. There are a number of different areas that this team needs to address, but whether it's the center position or shooting on the wing, backup point guard, but the most important thing would be depth guys that can step in and actually give you reliable rotation minutes. Uh, but yeah, yeah but we, we don't, I, like I said, I, I don't know that that is the absolute priority right now for the front office. Maybe it is still the long term and all of that, in which case the, 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 the message to, to Nick Nurse might be, no, you're, you're not getting any, any short term help. You got to play Malachi Flynn. You've got to play Delano Banton. That's where things are going to be really interesting here. Um, as I've said, 
the way that they've managed the Goran Dragic situation sort of tells you where their heads are at. And I want to clarify again, and I know we've, we've talked about it a bunch on this podcast, but we still get questions. This wasn't a situation of Dragic, as a lot of people think, saying, I don't want to be here. I'm going home. See you guys. Like, no, that's not what this was. This was a mutual agreement between the player and his reps and the team. Dragic, I mean, he tried to make this work. He showed up in training camp. He was a good teammate, uh, was playing the first few games of the season. But he made it clear, I mean, even to us when we spoke to him on on the show, he sees himself as a contributing player in the league, even at, at, at his age. He wanted to play. It was the Raptors who said, yeah. we are not going to waste those valuable minutes on somebody that's not part of the long-term future, that's not going to exactly. be here next year. We want to use those minutes at that point on Flynn and on Banton. Now it's on the uh, on Siakam and Barnes playing those backup point guard minutes. So if that's the case, then then why... Why aren't those minutes being used right now to develop is is my question. And that's where I see the split. And that's why the trade deadline, I think, is going to offer us some answers one way or the other. You did raise a good point there, though. Uh, we know we talk about the development of, of guys like Flynn and Ben, which we're not seeing. But, you know, Pascal Siakam has developed in his own right, right, as a ball handler, as a distributor, as a facilitator. And it's been nice to see him grow in that area of his game because it's something that he said he, he wanted to do. And so um, how sustainable is that? Uh, I don't Is it more of a, a, a function because of need rather than, you know, desire? I, I don't know, but he, he's actually doing a really good job, but it's nice to see him um, be able to, to become this, you know, fully well-rounded player. Although the fact that he had his triple double taken away, what's up with that? <laughs> how disappointing. Like I can't believe that. That was very upsetting. I'd be upset if I were classic him. Milwaukee pettiness. They lose the game, <laughs> so they take away the official scores in Milwaukee, take away the triple double. I'm not sure that I've seen that happen, especially days that was later. what, like two or three days later. Yeah. I, I didn't know you could do that retroactively. But a perfect segue for the Kalos this week. Let's hand out some Kalo points. Of course, this is where each week we reward the top performers of the week. We go three, two, one, and we're going to go three points for the top performer of the week. And I'm going to give my three points to Pascal Siakam, if for no other reason yeah. than the poor guy had his triple-double taken away. So, you know what? Like, <laughs> it's, it's not quite your second career triple-double, but if anything, it's a, it's a, it's a decent consolation prize. It's three Kalo points for me to Pascal Siakam. Yeah, I, I, he has my three points as well. And then the next night he followed it up with another 10 assists in that Miami game. So really nice to see him as Pascal, the facilitator as well. So he gets my three. Who gets your two points? For two, I, I'm going to go with Chris Boucher. He, he got some yeah. points for me last week as well, but he's carried it over. He, he's playing really hard right now, and he's playing big minutes too, considering he was barely playing at points during the season. He is back in Nick Nurse's circle of trust. He's earned it. Uh, double doubles in the last couple games. Not without his mistakes, right? Like he even sure. acknowledged it after the game against Dallas and said there were a few shots that he wishes he could get back, a few plays that he wishes he could make. You could talk about that that three-point shot that he took at the end of the game 
last night against Dallas. I don't mind it so much. There are a few people that pointed out, okay, well, maybe you put the ball on the floor because the defense yeah. was scrambled. Maybe you make the, the pass. OG ha- had a look from the corner. I don't mind the shot so much, especially because he's starting to shoot the ball better, too. For the first time this season, the jump shot is coming along. So I like what I'm seeing right now from Chris Boucher. This is so not interesting because I agree with you as well. He gets my two points. I, I really like what he did. Uh, first of all, in that Miami game, he was the entire bench production. He had, you know, his 23 points, a double-double in that game. And I think he's, you're right, that, that three at the end of the Dallas game was a bit like, uh, frustrating. But he's also making better reads. There was a there was a, a point in the Miami game where he was in the corner and old Chris would let it fly, let that three fly. But instead, he pumped fake and, and drove to the basket. So I like to see that he's not, you know, rushing his shots and just throwing them up there. He's actually, you know, reading the defenses and, and he's processing a little bit better. So um, I'm going to give him my two points as well. All right. You're one point. <laughs> I'm going off the I'm going off the board here. Okay. My one point is going to the great Me. longtime Raptors trainer Ray Tra- Ray Chow and the rest of the oh, okay. training staff right now because they are <laughs> busy people, Nikki. They yeah. might be the most important people in the organization right now, keeping legs from falling off. I'm sure that they've got uh Raptors players in the training room 24/7 right now, post-game treatment, off-day treatment. The the unsung heroes, as long as this, I mean, unsung heroes all the time, but especially as long as this rotation is going to stay at six or seven guys, those guys are uh, important people right now. I feel like you're kissing some organizational butt. Last week, what? Uh, the Raptors no. PR got it. Now the that the was you. Staff gets it. Oh, that was me? Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> I misremembered. Um, okay, my one point is going to go to – this is tough because I want – part of me wants to give it to Precious because uh, he, he's been – There's yes, there's always some frustrating moments to Precious' game, and I, I'd like to call it – it is a bit of an adventure every time he has the ball in his hands, but defensively he's been, uh, you know, doing some great things. Um, but my one point, I'm going to give it uh, to, to Gary. I think I, I'm going to give it to Gary because, number one, we really, the really outfits? miss his production. And, yes, it's the outfits of anything. <laughs> He's absolutely entertaining. It's just like, what is he going to come up with today? And so uh, I'm going to give it uh, – he's going to get my one. Like, who wears a deep V-neck Gucci sweater in Milwaukee in the winter? Reversible. No underneath? Is it, was it reversible? Yeah, he, he switched it at the half, too. You know how oh. some guys change their shoes at the half? Yes. Gary switched oh. over his cardigan. You, yeah, it, well, it's, it's, it was a subtle, <laughs> subtle difference. I, I saw it on Twitter. I'm taking credit. Otherwise, there's no way I would have noticed these things. I'm not quite <laughs> the fashionista that Gary Trent Jr. is, but you're right. Like for the for the fits alone, but then also like sometimes, as you say, like you don't appreciate a guy fully until he's gone and and man the raptors miss gary trent right now hopefully they get him back for friday's game in washington Uh, coming up on the other side of the break we're going to look ahead to that game and look at uh the bunched up eastern conference standings we'll chat with chris miller uh wizards insider for nbc sports washington that's next on the raptors beat The Raptors beat goes inside the locker room, bringing you the latest from your Toronto Raptors on TSN 1050. The Raptors live here. Josh and Nikki back with you on the Raptors beat. I'm looking at the Eastern Conference standings right now, and it's 
pretty crazy. We've got a few teams that have clearly fallen out of it a little bit, but outside of that, it, it's bunched up at the top. It's bunched up in the middle. It's wide open, and you've got the Washington Wizards sitting in the middle right now, eighth place, a half game above the Raptors, and those teams square off in Washington on Friday. It's the fourth and final meeting of the season and could determine the tiebreaker, which, of course, could come into play at the end of the season. So it's a big game to talk all things Wizards and Eastern Conference mayhem we welcome in chris miller wizards insider for nbc sports washington chris thanks for joining us this morning how you doing nikki and josh good morning i'm doing well he said it was supposed to snow down here but it's raining so i'm kind of happy it's not snowing oh Oh, we got we got plenty of snow here for you uh, uh, up here. I think we I think we got all the snow. We're just it's starting to melt now. We I think we've dug out all of our cars after uh, snow Mageddon hit earlier this week. But yeah, we 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 know a thing or two about snow up here. Yeah, just a little. Nikki, how you doing? (laughs) I'm good, Chris. It's nice to hear your voice. Hardest working man in television. I swear, Josh. No, no, you are. It's true. Thank you. Uh, well, I, I believe it, and especially after that game on Wednesday, I, I think we got to start there. Uh, just a, a wild one with the Wizards hanging in in a, a tough game against a really good Brooklyn Nets team and, and goes down to the final few possessions. But the question I have is that bizarre play where looked like, what, an assistant coach with Brooklyn deflects a, a pass from the bench. The officials don't catch it. What what happened there? Have you ever seen anything like that before? So that's probably one of the most bizarre things I've seen covering sports for a quarter century. <laughs> I have never really seen an, an assistant coach, David Vanderpool, well, outing, uh, sticking his hand out in the in play and deflecting the ball. And the official is standing maybe five feet from him. And he's looking in that direction. And from what Kyle Kuzma said afterwards, um, the official said, I didn't see it. And we're like, well, wait a minute. But it's in real time. We had the luxury of looking at it during the game broadcast four or five times. You clearly see David Vanderpool's hands. And he kind of, I think he even shocked himself. I think he was just sticking his hand out and just so happened the ball hit it because the way he kind of <laughs> reacted afterwards was like, oh, I definitely shouldn't have did that. But they got away with it. I think what should have happened is if the officials would have saw it, that should have been a technical foul on the bench. That should have been one shot in possession Washington. But no harm, no foul, I guess. Uh, And then, ironically, the Wizards lose by one. Yeah, that hurts. That's so frustrating. But um, Josh was just talking about, you know, the Eastern Conference and and, and that murky middle where the Raptors are and Washington is. And what's the – because obviously you never want to be in the murky middle. Uh, either you're bad and you get a lottery pick or, you know, you're you're in it and you know you're, you have the postseason to, to play for. What's the perception of the murky middle and where Washington is right now, uh, Chris? Because you guys started the season really hot. Yeah, 10-3 and three, uh, really kind of was the talk of the league for a while there. Mm-hmm. But I think what's happened, Nikki, this was just the second game last night where the Wizards had their full complement of players. Like, all 15 guys on the roster were available to play, you know. So, they're still trying to figure out who they really are. Because even during that 10-3 and three start, there were a lot of people out of the lineup. No Rui Hachimura, no Thomas Bryant. Uh, then they were dealing with some injuries. So, 
not only do they get their full complement of players back, but we were on our third head coach last night. So Wes Unfield Jr. is in health and safety protocol. Pat Delaney is in health and safety protocol. So, I mean, we're going through our third coach. So we're just – everybody's kind of going through the whole COVID thing, right? You guys know it better than anybody, considering how you spent all of last year not even at home. So uh, I, I'm not – I think I'm preaching to the choir when I talk about health and safety protocol for Raptors fans. But th- this team, does, they don't know who they are yet. And the trade deadline is coming up February 10th. So they're going to have to make some decisions. Do they want to improve the roster or do they want to see what they have right now? Yeah, it's an interesting point because I mean, the Raptors are in a very similar boat. They've only had their full roster available for one game this season as well. And it does make evaluation both, I mean, for us trying to figure out who they are and what they could be, but especially for them internally making that decision, what do we need to get better and, and how much do we want to get better, right? Because I think, I mean, the Raptors... might be in a little bit of a different place just in terms of like I think the Wizards are more in win now mode if for no other reason than they've got to appease Bradley Beal right whereas the Raptors might be able to afford taking a little bit of a long longer term view but I'll ask you about the trade deadline especially with so much parity in the Eastern Conference right now and especially for those teams in as Nikki calls it the murky middle how much activity do you anticipate there being at the deadline do you think teams like the Raptors or more specifically the Wizards do you think those teams feel more pressure to go in and and get an impact player or two to try and separate themselves from that that middle tier yeah that's a good question and uh Murky middle. I like that, Nikki. I might steal that. I'll courtesy you when I use okay. it on the air, I promise. You got it. Because uh, that, is, that is what it is. It's just like this middle part of the standings where you're like, oh, cool, we made the play-in tournament. I can tell you this. Bradley Beal said just a couple of days ago uh, he doesn't want to play in the play-in tournament. So oh. I, I translate that as uh, we got to get better. We better go get a better player so we're not in that 7 through 10 spot. So I think the Wizards ultimately have to make a move, Josh, just because of what you said. I mean, listen, Brad has made it very clear for him to stay here long term. Uh, he needs to see the division and the direction of this franchise going forward. And I, I think they've got to make a move. Listen, they have enough young pieces where, you know, I think Tommy Shepard can get on the phone and really do some business. The question is, is who is that player? Can you get in on the De'Aaron Fox sweepstakes? Can you get Demonis the bonus? You know, uh, I don't know about Ben Simmons, but do you make a a call to Philly? But I think all these teams that are from – like Charlotte, the Wizards, Celtics, you guys, I I think the Raptors – I love your team. I I love what Nick Nurse does. I'm a Fred Van Vliet fan. I love OG. I love Pascal. I I just love the team. I just think you guys are like a piece away, right, or maybe two pieces away. Uh, So, yeah, I I think everybody in that murky middle uh, is probably going to be – picking up the phone just to see what's really out there. Chris, you mentioned Fred Van Vliet, and obviously we got a lot of love for him up here, you know, the heart and soul of our team, and and we're trying to get him into his first All-Star game. What's the conversation uh, on your end? What are you hearing south of the border of Fred Van Vliet and and his uh, potential to be an All-Star this year? Well, I'm not going to surprise you, Nikki, when I say this. I don't think the Raptors get enough love down here in the South. But uh, as someone that is a huge fan of that organization and that city, uh, I I would be shocked if Fred doesn't get in there. But you guys know how it is. You have to win. 
you have to be kind of like a fan favorite. There's all these things that kind of go into it. But if you're just looking at the quality of play, Fred is one of the top guards in the league. And I think when people look at his resume, uh, he should be considered uh, an, an all-star. But it's difficult. You know, they've got – you know, when the first batch of votes come out, you got guys in there that hadn't even played all year. And you go, wait, right. they, I get it. It's a fan vote. But there has to be some cr- criteria. Can we have a minimum of, like, I don't know, 30 games before you, 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 you get votes? I mean, you got people that didn't even play that, that are getting votes. That's just ridiculous to me. But – it's for the fans. I get it. They get half of the vote. But to me, Fred's an all-star. Joined by Chris Miller of NBC Sports Washington. And, Chris, I mean, it's a good point, right? Like, it's going to be tough. We talked about how balanced the Eastern Conference is. And what that means is that there's a lot of teams that are deserving of having an all-star. And there are a lot of guards. And you guys have one, too, that is maybe more on the fringe or on the cusp this year than in the past, which seems crazy to say, right? Because... Bradley Beal, first of all, is an all-star caliber player. There's no question about that. And whenever there's been any question whether or not he's going to make it in the past, it's only been because the Wizards haven't had a winning record. So if you would have told me before the season, Wizards are 23 and 22, yeah, 100% Bradley Beal's an all-star. But he doesn't, I guess he's not having a vintage Beal season just in terms of the numbers anyway, in terms of the scoring and the shooting numbers, they're all down. He is averaging a career high in assists. We know fan voting is what it is. He's not even in the top 10 right now. We'll get another update today, and then voting ends on Saturday with the starters announced next week. What are Bradley Beal's chances right now? So I did a all-star team kind of roster using Steph and Kevin Durant as the leading vote-getters. They would obviously be the captain. So – I've actually, I did something different this year. I actually am rewarding winning. If you're winning, you're getting in the game. So I have Durant, Giannis, Embiid, DeRozan, and Harden as the starters. My reserves are Levine, LaMelo Ball, Jason Tatum, Vucevic, Jarrett Allen, and Darius Garland with Fred Van Vliet, like, right there. These are all teams that are winning. I'm sorry. I I feel like the Cavaliers should have representation because – they're probably like the surprise team in the league in terms of where they are yeah. right sure. now in the standings, right? And I think the Bulls, since they have the best record in the East, they probably should have two starters. I don't even have – do I have Miami? I don't have, a, I don't have a Miami Heat player in here. So I've got to add a Heat player, but they've all been injured. Yeah. So for Brad to get in, I mean, it's like, yes, his, his shooting numbers might be down, but his assists are up. So what does that tell me? That tells me that he has adjusted his game to accepting the double teams and passing out of them and finding his teammates. So that should be rewarded, right? I mean, it's like it's like he's not just out yeah. there just jacking shots and just trying to improve his scoring. It, his scoring is a down a little bit. I mean, he was averaging 30 each of the last two seasons, so it's down. But his assist numbers are up. So don't we reward that for him being a better team player? And the fact that, you know, they are still in the – what do you call it, Nikki? The murky middle? I mean, they're at least, if the playoffs started today, they're in the play in. So they're, I think he's in, Josh, but I think Fred's in too. There's just too many guys, too many doggone guards. That's what it is. <laughs> Expand the teams, expand the rosters. Yeah, 15. Come on. Everybody gets in.
Everyone's an all-star. Yeah, you, like, you're an all-star. What Oprah say? You get a car. You get a car. You're yeah. an all-star. You're going to get an all-star. <laughs> Last one for me, Chris. Low-key storyline going into Friday's game. We've been waiting for Utah Watanabe and Rui to finally kind of go head-to-head to Japanese yeah. uh, players here. Is that happening? And, and is there some excitement on, on your end of, uh, for this matchup to actually finally so, happen? It's interesting you said that, Nikki. Do you know what Friday night is in the district? It is, drum roll, Japanese Heritage Night. And ironically. Okay. Yes, so we've got the matchup. I'm actually looking forward to it. You know, Yusuf Watanabe played his college ball, obviously, down here at GW, so we were very familiar with him. Rui just came back. So I'm excited to actually see that matchup. And, you know, obviously because of the health and safety protocols, you know, we we wouldn't get the full-throated media throng to the game. But, Nikki, as you know, I mean, if it was a normal year, let's say in 2019, there would be a disbursement of cameras and – photographers from all over the place to watch that game. But I'm excited to see it because I'm fans of both of these guys. I just want to see them go out there and compete at a high level. Well, listen, I've got my thing. I've got my fingers crossed there. I'm knocking on wood because we prepared for this before. We keep saying Rui versus Utah. It's happening tonight. And what we're, we're 0 for six, I think over the last two seasons, yeah. either one of them's out or the other one's out ruled out last minute, late scratch or whatever it is. They, they did go head to head, uh, a couple of years ago when Utah was in Memphis, but hopefully we finally get it tomorrow. I do, Chris, before we let you go, I have to ask you about the train wreck that is the Los Angeles Lakers. Of course, Russ getting benched at the end of the game the other night. And hey, for you guys, uh, Montrez Harrell, looking pretty good. Kyle Kuzma looking real good. How happy are Wizards fans with this trade right now? So I always thought Russ was like a one-year thing. I, I always thought he was a rental. Even when he came here, I was like, yeah, he'll be here for a year and he'll probably move on. So I was never thinking like, oh, we might get him for his full, you know, the rest of his contract. It was great last year, right? He broke the triple-double record. Uh, the Wizards made it to the, to the playoffs. I mean, it was cool, right? But I never saw that as, like, a long-term thing. But to get the haul that Tommy Shepard got for Russell Westbrook, uh, I guess that question with Josh would be better for Laker fans is asking them, like, do you feel like you got fleeced? Because we feel like we got the best end of that bargain here in D.C. Yeah, I I mean, not not a great time for the Lakers right now but hey the Wizards are looking good the Raptors are looking good two teams that seem to be trending upwards and as I mentioned earlier could be a big game with the tiebreaker on the line so looking forward to that on Friday Chris enjoy the game tomorrow thanks so much for joining us and hopefully we can chat soon I appreciate Thanks, it, guys. Listen, real quick, can you guys tell Nick Nurse to not throw the box in one defense at Bradley Beal? I talked <laughs> to him last night. He says one of the hardest coaches to go against is Nick Nurse oh. and all of these different defenses that he throws at him. So it's already on Brad's mind. Even after the game last night, he was already thinking towards Friday. So, Nick, just play man-to-man on Beal Friday, please. Well, the good news is the Raptors players are probably pretty exhausted right now, (laughs) considering they're only using seven of them. So I'm not sure that Fred Van Vliet has the uh, stamina conditioning right now to chase Bradley Beal around in a box in one. But we'll see. You never know with Nick Nurse. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. 
There Thank he is, you. Chris Miller of NBC Sports, Washington. Uh, an interesting game tomorrow and an interesting week for the Raptors, right? They've got the, the two teams that are right uh, ahead of them in the standings, Washington and yeah. Charlotte coming up. Uh, Norm Powell's return to Toronto with the Blazers. He's sandwiched in there between those two games. And then uh, a meeting, finally, after a, a few postponed games, a meeting with the first place Chicago Bulls coming up next week. So a lot to look forward to for the Raptors. We will do that coming up on the other side of the break and play some Raptors rapid fire. That's next here on the Raptors beat. Crunch time on the Raptors beat. A big week coming up for the team. We talked about it before the break. Couple teams just ahead of them in the standings. Wizards on Friday, Hornets at Scotiabank Arena on Tuesday with Norman Powell's return to Toronto. Hopefully, I mean, Norm has been in the health and safety protocol. Yeah. uh, And he missed Wednesday's game for personal reasons. So hope everything is okay with Norm and we hope to see him on Sunday. It'll be his first game in Toronto since February 28th, 2020. So to look ahead to that, as well as a hit on a few other big stories, we're going to play some Raptors rapid fire. Take it away, Nikki. Well, first of all, Norm's return, you said, for the first time since Feb 28, 2020. We saw that Serge got a, a tribute video um, in an empty arena. Uh, JV yep. did not get it was one awkward. when he returned. It was, <laughs> it was awkward. Uh, do you think they're going to do anything for Norm and his return? It's a, it's a tough question. It really is. Cause like, I, I don't know what the answer is there. Yeah. And, and I think like the plan was probably to run the, the tribute videos for everybody until they saw how strange it was. I mean, Serge wasn't even really paying attention. He probably would have if there was a, an arena full of 20,000 fans standing for him and, and showing him love. But to just run a video in an empty arena. It's tough because, I mean, there are obviously a lot of reasons why it sucks to not have fans in the building, but the timing has just been so unfortunate. Serge's return, JV's return, first game in in three years in Toronto, Norm's return, and then maybe if Kyle, assuming Kyle Lowry makes the trip on February 1st and assuming there's no fans, there probably won't be, then there's the big return, the one that everyone was looking forward to that comes in an empty building. I just, I I think you've got to hold the video. I think you got to hold the video for next year or whenever the next time they come back is when there is fans that so the fans can really welcome him and 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 they can show the fans love I just don't think it's the same without without people in the building yeah I agree I think the video is more so for the fans uh, than just the player of course um it's yeah. for the fans to enjoy um okay well what well, do you have a favorite uh norm mo- moment like on and off the court yeah. Okay. So we'll 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 start with Encore. I, I mean, how can you not say Game Five against Indiana, his rookie year, twenty sixteen, the first round series? Like it, it was a, a game saving steal and slam dunk in transition in, in the fourth quarter, and it, it might have been a series saving play too, right? Because yeah. the Raptors tied with the Pacers in the series. Uh, seemed like they were on the verge of going down 3-2 in that series, down 13 going into the fourth quarter of Game 5. 
as Norm gives them that lift there. And we always say, like, what happens if Norm doesn't make that play? What happens if the Raptors lose that game and go on to lose that series? Yeah, I, I mean, Dwayne Casey was eventually fired. DeMar DeRozan was eventually traded. But, like, maybe that era ends right there. And, and maybe there is no championship. Maybe they launch into a rebuild after that season if once again they fail to make it past the first round. So a huge moment in, in Raptors franchise history, a huge moment for Norm early in his career, uh, a lot of big moments for him coming in the playoffs. Obviously, those M- Milwaukee series come to mind. In terms of off-court, for me, like I, I look back at the uh, the championship in the locker room after they win the title in Oakland. A lot of happy faces, a lot of happy people, but... Norm was right at the top of that list. I have a video of him pouring champagne over his head, just like <laughs> the culmination of everything that he's been through and, and the type of player that he's turned himself into, yeah. uh, really just crystallizing in that moment. I'll also say his Players' Tribune piece that came say, out yeah. after yeah after the trade was one of the best things I've ever written there or ever read there. Um so sincere. It'll be good to see Norm. Yeah, very, very sincere. And that's just the type of guy that, that Norm is. A great story and, and a great dude. Yeah. So looking forward to seeing him for sure. Uh, I'm going to ask you about Scotty Barnes, um, a, a young player who uh, coming off of uh, his best game in a while the other night. What was that against Miami? And he was asked about rookie of the year and what it would mean to him. And he answered honestly right like he he didn't beat around the bush he said that yeah that that's a goal for him it's something he's been chasing it's something that's important to him to cement his early career legacy um some people took issue with those comments did you like him what did you think i don't understand why what the issue would be with with the comments he's being honest and he's trying to push himself to be the best that he can be and and work towards something i have no problem with that comment i would i would have a problem if he was a little bit more uh laid back about or or didn't care to to achieve greatness but uh you know this is someone who who has outwardly said he wants to be one of if not the best in the league and you know how attainable is that who knows but the fact that he has that drive and that will I love it I want to see that and yeah he had a great game in Miami and, and I, I I applaud him for saying this I remember a long time ago somebody asked Tiger like it was a Tiger Woods thing and, and you know on Sunday they would ask him well so how are you feeling do you think you're going to win do you think you're going to win on Sunday and Tiger was like well of course I think I'm going to win if I didn't think I was going to win why would I be here so I, I you know like great players great athletes have that mindset that they are the best no matter what and I love that you know he's young and he has this desire so I have no problem with it how about you what yeah, was the backlash about it. though that he was being uh, cocky like is that it no well I think some people expected him to give the cliche answer of like oh no the priority is winning that's all I care about and like listen the those team, aren't mutually exclusive stuff. just because yeah. yeah just because you want to win rookie of the year doesn't mean you don't want to win and that's not important to you and a lot of times as I'm sure he would acknowledge is like those things come together right if he's winning yeah. if the team is winning and he's playing well then he's we got a much win. better chance of real kid so that's what I took from it I have no listen we we kill these athletes for using cliches so when they don't yeah. let's let's <laughs> exactly. just appreciate it and that's why we love Fred Van Vliet because he doesn't rely on those those crutches those those cliches uh all-star yeah. voting um the final update comes out today voting ends fan voting ends on saturday we'll know who the starters are next thursday as of last week van vliet and siakam were both 
eighth at their respective positions. When it's all said and done, where do you think they finish in fan voting? Keeping in mind, fan voting is just worth 50% of the, the final tally in terms of who ends up starting. I'd, I'd like to think they'd finish just outside of the, the fifth, maybe sixth, seventh range. I think, you know, uh, I think as a country and as a fan base, we'll be able to rally around them and get them in. But I think uh, in order for them to get in, especially for Fred, it's going to rely on the coach's decision or the coach's voting uh, to, to make an all-star game. But if, if fan voting, I would say about like maybe Freddie will finish like sixth, I'm feeling. How about you? I for for sixth he'd probably have to pass Kyrie which he which he absolutely <laughs> should but yeah. uh, I doubt he will just based on you know the politics of the whole thing so I, I'm gonna say they both finish in seventh I think Freddie passes Derrick Rose as he should and I, mm-hmm. I think Pascal maybe passes Bam Adebayo but there was a big gap between that and, and some of the guys in front of him Jimmy Butler etc um yeah I, I, I listen I, I don't think it's going to be a shock that they don't end up faring especially well in fan voting they won't end up starting i think one of them gets in i think it's van vliet i think it's through the coaches if we're making those predictions but we'll see how it goes because as we were talking about with chris miller earlier is there are a lot of really good really deserving players siakam is playing all-star basketball right now too but there are a lot of guys that are and and only a certain amount of them are getting going to get in and because of the parody in the east right now it's going to be tough for any team to get two all-stars let alone one let alone a raptors team that's at 500 right now so we'll see how that plays out A, a lot of things to keep an eye on here including the trade deadline which which is three weeks from today next week on the Raptors beat next week on the show we're really going to zero in on that conversation preview the deadline we're going to go through some different scenarios and some different targets we're going to ask that listeners send in their trade ideas and we're going to weigh in on that so stay tuned for the trade deadline discussion of course you can always check us out on Spotify on uh, Apple Podcasts and anywhere where you get your podcasts please Uh, follow and subscribe rate and review Uh, we'll be back with you next week on behalf of nikki reyes and chris diavero back in studio thanks for listening